0: Comparing one season to another really doesn't do a whole lot. Football is such a complicated game that beyond the logos, the colors, and a few players, there's not that much that carries over from one year to the next. But even with that in mind, I'd like to return for a second to a comparison I made heading into the Packers' Week 6 game against the 49ers. During that preview, I compared this year's Packers to their 2012 counterparts, one team that also started the season with a couple lackluster wins and some disappointing losses before riding the ship with a primetime win in week six. Unfortunately, the Packers really haven't followed in the footsteps of their 2012 predecessors. The 2012 Packers got rolling a little bit after their win, but this year's team has pretty much stayed inconsistent. But I'd like to stick with that comparison for one reason. Even though the Packers reeled off a few wins in a row in 2012 after their galvanizing moment in Week 6, you never really felt like they got their feet under them. Aaron Rodgers got sacked a whole bunch that year. There were a lot of injuries both on offense and on defense. They really never got the running game going at all, despite trying Cedric Benson and James Starks and pretty much everybody. Dewan Harris really finally got things going for them just a little bit. And that was saying more about the rest of the people who tried than Harris himself. So even though they were winning, it was hard to feel good about the 2012 Packers. And those concerns were pretty much proven correct when they got laughed out of the stadium in their divisional round game against Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. This year's team feels very similar still to the 2012 team to me, even though they haven't posted nearly the same amount of wins by this point in the season. They've had their struggles on both sides of the ball. They've dealt with injuries and inconsistent play. And there's a lot of statistical noise surrounding this team as a whole, so much so, in fact, that it's really hard to figure out what's true about this year's Packers team and what is a mirage. Late in that 2012 season, the Packers hosted a very hapless team at Lambeau Field, welcoming the Tennessee Titans to Wisconsin for what turned out to be a 55-7 blowout. That kind of win should have inspired plenty of confidence in the Packers. They took care of business against a bad team, and they did it in pretty spectacular fashion. But instead, it taught us basically nothing, except that the Titans were extremely bad, which, of course, we already knew. This Sunday's game has a similar sort of feel to that. We still really don't know that much about the Packers. Other than that, they're an inconsistent mess for a myriad of reasons. We know a lot about the Cardinals, mostly about how they're pretty bad. So even if the Packers win this week and there's every reason to think that they will, I'm just not sure that there's all that much that we're going to take away. Blue 58. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, previewing this week's matchup against the Arizona Cardinals at Lambeau Field. I'm excited to be with you here for this one as your host. My name is John Muerdink, and here are five things for you to think about during Sunday's game. Number one. The Packers have talked a lot this year about getting their running game going, and one of the ways they've tried to do that is by running out of the shotgun formation, but they really haven't shown any evidence that they're particularly good at it. Through week 12 of this year, the Packers have run the ball out of shotgun 113 times, the 10th most in the NFL. They're averaging 4.4 yards per carry from that formation, just 23rd in the league. But in 2017, the Packers ran the ball out of shotgun 130 times, the 12th most in the NFL for an average of 4.6 yards per carry, middling 17th in the league. And in 2016, the Packers ran the ball out of shotgun 165 times, the 11th most in the NFL. They averaged that season 4.5 yards per carry, just 17th in the NFL. Running out of shotgun is something that has not worked for the Packers for some time. Number two, Arizona Cardinals running back David Johnson is one of the most dynamic players at his position in the NFL, But the Cardinals have struggled to get him involved in the passing game this season. And that's unusual. In a breakout season in 2016, Johnson caught 80 passes for 120 on 120 targets. But after missing all but a handful of plays in 2017, Johnson has only managed 34 catches on 49 targets this year. Now, if there's a team that could allow Johnson to get back on track in the passing game, it could be the Packers. According to Football Outsiders, the Packers are the second worst team in the league when it comes to defending passes to running backs. Last week alone, the Packers gave up 60 yards and a touchdown on four passes to backs, largely due to their lack of speed among their inside linebackers. Number three, at 35, Larry Fitzgerald isn't the weapon that he once was, but his name alone should be enough to give the Packers some nightmares. In three regular season games against Green Bay, Fitzgerald hasn't done all that much, He's averaged just over four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown, but in two playoff games against the Packers, he's totaled 14 catches for 258 yards and three scores, including a 75-yard catch and run and the game-winning score against the Packers in overtime in 2015. One of the defensive backs in the roster for the Packers for that 2015 loss was Quentin Rollins, just a rookie then. He was released by the Packers at the conclusion of training camp this summer, but he signed with the Cardinals this week. It is the first time he's been on an NFL roster this season. Number four, the Arizona Cardinals selected their new starting quarterback, Josh Rosen, with the 10th overall pick in this spring's draft. Rosen, though, hasn't quite tapped his potential just yet. In eight starts plus some mop-up duty in another game, he's thrown 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and has completed just under 56% of his throw. And it's not particularly relevant, but according to Pro Football Reference, his full name is Joshua Bollinger Lippincott Rosen. Do with that information whatever you will. Number five, both the Cardinals and Packers have shown they're able to get after the quarterback. They currently rank second and third in the league, respectively, in sacks. They've collected their sacks in similar ways, too. Both have relied on contributions from a wide range of pass rushers. Twelve have worked together to collect 37 sacks for the Cardinals so far this season. In Green Bay, 14 players have contributed to the team total of 36 sacks. Who could be an X factor this week for the Packers? Well, as we mentioned earlier, the Packers have struggled to defend passes to running back this season, and it's in large part because their linebackers are painfully slow, particularly Antonio Morrison. That is not to say, of course, that Morrison doesn't have his virtues. He does. But they just don't happen to align with defending a lot of what the modern NFL likes to do. The Packers could really use a guy like Oren Burks to step up if they're going to make a late run. Getting more athletic in the middle of the field is never a bad thing. And Burks certainly would provide a more athletic alternative to Morrison. Problem is, Burks just can't seem to get on the field. He hasn't played more than 15 snaps on defense since week 16. And his 15-snap effort against the Patriots was the only time in that same time span that he's played double-digit snaps in a game. So what happened the last time the Packers and Cardinals played? Well, this is going to be familiar to you if you were paying attention earlier in the show, but the Cardinals are a little bit like a light version of the Seattle Seahawks. Through somewhat unusual circumstances, the Packers have ended up playing almost all of their recent significant games against the Cardinals in Arizona, and things have not gone particularly well there for the Packers. Three of their last four games have been in Arizona, and all of those games have been crushing defeats of one kind or another. That most recent loss, though, was probably the most gut-wrenching. In the 2015 playoffs, the Packers, completely beat up and worn out, traveled to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, who were the second seed in the NFL that year. Despite having no real reason to be in that game, the Packers forced overtime thanks to two all-time great throws from Aaron Rodgers to Jeff Janis, only to have Larry Fitzgerald doom the Packers pretty much single-handedly in overtime, the final score 26-20 to in favor of the Cardinals. But incidentally, I always think it's a little bit interesting to take a look at the Packers receiving core for this game, and more broadly speaking, the people who caught passes for the Packers that game as well. Jordy Nelson, of course, missed the entire 2015 season with a torn ACL. But by the end of the year, the Packers receiving group had been utterly devastated elsewhere, and they were leaning heavily on either low-end young players— Or veterans near the end of their careers. To make matters worse, Randall Cobb got injured very early in this Packers Cardinals game and had to leave, thanks in part to a microphone pack he was wearing under his shoulder pads. All that having been said, six of the eight Packers players targeted with a pass in that game are now out of the league, and only one, Randall Cobb, is still with the Packers at all. That Green Bay was able to force overtime at all, with Jeff Janis and Jared Abredaris playing major roles in the offense, is almost a miracle. So who's going to win this time? Well, the Packers are favored by more than two touchdowns in this game. That seems high. It probably is high. If you were betting, it probably would make sense to bet the under there. But even so, if the Packers can't handle the Cardinals at Lambeau Field when Arizona is starting a rookie quarterback who's been ineffective since he took over the starting job... Black Monday should come this week for Mike McCarthy and probably his whole staff. I don't even know if even Mike Pettin could survive a loss to the Cardinals. Fortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. This game will either be a blowout or way closer than it should be, but I think the Packers win either way. Going with something a little bit less than a blowout, the Packers are going to win 27-13, and I think, as I last checked, the line was 14 and a half, so the Packers don't quite cover there if that is of interest to you. Some survey updates for you. We haven't been able to do these the past couple weeks just because of how the games have have fallen in our schedule. No matter how the Packers win, a lot of people seem to believe there's a good chance it's going to happen. The win confidence rate in our most recent poll is at 79.25%, third highest number of the season there, and the highest mark since week three. Unfortunately, that same confidence doesn't seem to extend to the Packers' chances of making the playoffs. The playoff confidence figure is at its lowest point right now, just 32.5%. Overall, people are feeling worse about the team than they felt all year, which isn't unreasonable or all that surprising. Mike McCarthy, though, is receiving the brunt of that that displeasure. His weighted approval rating in our most recent poll is just 35.5%, his lowest mark of the season, and the fourth time in six weeks that he's had his number drop over the previous week. But even if with that low number, only 31% of Packers fans believe McCarthy will be fired before the end of the season. It would be interesting to see, though, what that number would be if the Packers would, in fact, lose to the Cardinals. One last thought. Everybody has an opinion right now on why the Packers' offense isn't doing so well. But everyone seems to agree that it's a problem. Everybody, that is, except for football outsiders, whose stats typically paint one of the truest pictures of a football team that you'll find anywhere. According to their DVOA metric, the Packers are currently the fifth best offense in the NFL. I'm not exactly sure what to make of that stat since the Packers certainly haven't looked like the fifth best offense, and they certainly haven't gotten the results that you'd expect from a team having the fifth best offense in the league. But maybe the bottom line is this. Even as bad as things have been, they haven't always been all bad. And if the Packers are anywhere close to being the fifth best offense in the league right now... Maybe the scary truth is that things could actually be a whole lot worse. Just something to think about. That's all I've got for you for this week's preview. We'll see you after the game recording Sunday afternoon. You'll get it on Monday morning. Hope the Packers come out with a win in this one. I'll be there rooting right alongside you. Go Pack Go. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Blue 58.